If I say the word wine, what's the first profession you think of? Sommelier? Yes. And what else? How about a mix, a cocktail of wine tasting, Italian culture and tour guiding? Let's hear John's story that began a decade and a half ago in Italy and he continues in California with his new venture, Hop and Bind Tours. So, John Pignate, because I want yes. to pronounce it right. Thank like, you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you are becoming or have become a, an expert in wine tourism, right? More or less, yeah, I could say that. I would like to bring us back to when we actually met, which is okay. Rome. I don't want to say, but it's more or less 15 years ago. Already. I would say about that. Yeah. So yeah. back then, did you already have an idea of working in wine tourism? Basically, wealthy people like people who know the language and are willing to hire them to, to travel with them a little bit. <laughs> so that's what <laughs> happened. And the inspiration happened when I was essentially just assisting people in Tuscany, you know, being, you know, translating and unfolding for them where they wanted to go next. They gave me the itinerary. I did not. But they wanted to go to Montalcino to taste some wine, some Brunello. And at this point, I knew I liked wine, but I didn't really know too much about wine. And I was asking my client questions about wine. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and at that point, I, you know, I, I didn't feel great about that, of course, because I always had the answers when it came to, to my clients. And here I am asking them about wine, you know, how do you know this? How do you know that? And that's when it popped in my head. So, you know, Brunello di Moltacino was insp my inspiration along with my client. You know, I said, this would actually be a great thing to do, be a tour guide, but specifically for wine take people wine tasting, but also have them discover uncharted territory in Italy for tourists, that is, along the way as well. So that's when the idea was born. And that's a great idea, a great combination. So what were your next steps? At that point, I had to figure out how do I become an expert? I mean, it isn't just researching online. There's so much more to it. And there were a lot of other factors, of course, that led me down this route. But I found a school locally. Uh, I found out about, you know, what a sommelier is. Uh, I, I knew what they were, but I wasn't really, it wasn't anything that I'd paid attention to. So essentially, I found the school there in Rome called Associazione Italiana dei Sommelier. They abbreviate it to AIS or ICE. And it's a two and a half year program. And that's what I joined. I joined it to become a sommelier and I had to take one year off for personal reasons, but three and a half years later, I basically graduated and became a sommelier. So that's when uh, 2012, after I graduated, is when I launched my first wine tour business. The course helped you to get customers or was it actually obligatory to have a degree as a sommelier in order to, to do tours like this? I mean, no, I mean... In Italy, so many things are regulated, but especially back then, I don't know about now because I don't live there anymore, but wine tourism was not regulated, which was one, you know, that's a bonus because regulations definitely are helpful. Don't get me wrong um, for various reasons, but they also are very limiting on how you can do things. And this gave me more freedom on how I could do things for people. When you think of Italy, when any, I mean, you're Italian, so it's a little different for you, but when you think of Italy as a foreigner, 
obviously, you know, the main things come to mind. You have the Colosseum, the Vatican, Florence, and the art. But the other thing that people want to explore is the food and the wine. And even, even people who are not wine lovers actually end up going to Italy and saying, I have to have wine. And, and the other thing is the culture. And by culture, we can think of its history. We can think of, you know, uh, of course, the artistic greats that they've had, the architectural greats that they've had. But in the end, the culture is what you do every day as Italians. That for foreigners is, is a dream for us. You know, I, I say us because I lived in, in Italy for so long. And as Romans say, ormai so romano, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Italian right now, you know, by now. But in the end, they enjoy what we do every day in Italy. And that's what I wanted to, to have them enjoy at their pace as well. So that's the idea of the company that I started. And in, in essence, the name of it kind of reflected that idea. Vini cultural tours, you know, mm -hmm. wine and culture. And, you know, I, I, to expand on that, it was, it, as I, as I wrote it in the description, it was wine, food, and craft beer itineraries throughout Italy. Great. How did it go? Did you have customers? Yes. And so my strategy was, um, being a tour guide for so long at this point, you know, 2004 to 2012, I had uh, more than a, uh, almost a decade of experience there. I had a lot of return clients. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people actually came back and wanted to explore new things with me. And that was great. So when I launched this wine tour business and I knew already, you know, at least one or two years in advance that this is what I wanted to do. I started emailing, you know, past clients and letting them know. And I actually had people come back to Italy just to do my wine tours. And it was great. Wow. And then, of course, the company I worked for at the time, they allowed me to, you know, let people know about my wine tours. And as long as they got a cut, I would be able to create a wine itinerary for them. And so in 2012, when I launched Vinicultural Tours, the way to actually get noticed back then more than anything else was TripAdvisor. Hmm. So every single client that I had, even in the previous year leading up to the launch of my wine tours, I essentially had uh, asked them to remember to write down notes because I was going to ask them as soon as I launched my wine tour business to review me on TripAdvisor. So organically, I was able to, to get great reviews for the first two months. And it was a great way to launch my business. Fantastic. Because they were actual real reviews. They weren't, you know, friends or anything, you know, that, that were lying for me. It wasn't as, as, and this is something that, you know, many people probably don't know, or maybe they do know there are actual companies that, and I got, they offered it to me as well. There are actual companies that will wake, uh, write fake reviews and you'll get all of a sudden within two months, a thousand reviews, but you know, um, I think I was averaging two great reviews a month because of that steady number, two or three great reviews a month was a good steady number. Mm -hmm. And it shot me up to the top 10 wine tours in Rome almost right away. It was great. 
Oh, fantastic. I'll, I'll get back to the TripAdvisor and social media. Yes. I would like to now trace back your, let's say, curriculum and okay. uh, first talk about sommelier mm -hmm. and then talk about your uh, education. So as a sommelier, what do you do? Who, who is a sommelier? This question uh, is easy to answer, but it's also difficult. You know, sommelier... Is, is someone who goes through um, training through various schools. There's, there's all kinds of different schools to become a sommelier. There's different levels. Every single school has pretty much the same backbone that they teach you in your first level certification, your second level, and your third level, but how they do it is different. I actually was thinking ahead. I could have come back to the US. I could have gone to England. England has, you know, the number one school in the world, supposedly, with the W set. They were the standard for the longest time. And, and excuse me, I have to correct myself. I wouldn't say they were the biggest. They were probably the most well-known is a good way to hmm. say it. Because through my research, I found out that the school in Rome, which was the headquarters of the Italian Association of Sommeliers, to translate it into English, they were also the headquarters for the Worldwide Association of Sommeliers. So that school actually had um, much more influence throughout the world than WSET. WSET, from my research back then, was basically more a British and an American thing. Uh, now it's grown outside of that because of you know, how famous certain people are from that school including their master program, their master sommelier certification is what everybody knows around the world because of certain documentaries. But I decided, and, and, and circling back to me looking ahead, I decided that I needed to do the one in Rome because they concentrated on teaching us Italian wines. Hmm. They also taught us worldwide wines, but their concentration was on Italian wines. And back then, as still now, Italian wines are probably the most confusing wines for people in America and around the world because of so many different ways to label or not label things because of the regulations. So for me to really hone down on becoming, in few words, an Italian wine expert was a good strategy in case I ever did move back to the U.S. And look at where I'm at now. I moved mm. back to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> right. So your idea was to then transpose this experience and then create the uh, cultural experience with what with your company in um, in the U.S. Okay, um, no. Okay, <laughs> thank. No, I appreciate definitely. I appreciate the thought process, but I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're making me out smarter than I was or am. <laughs> Thank you. No, um, in reality, I was thinking if I ever did move back and, and to also circle back to your original question, what is a sommelier? A sommelier essentially is like a maitre d', but for wine, it's, it's a wine steward. It's someone who in the restaurant more than anywhere else is where they're recognized, especially a fine dining experience. You know, you have the, the host that sits you down, you have the waiter or waitress that, you know, takes your order. And then you have the house sommelier who comes to you, has a conversation about your meal and helps you decide on a wine. And then depending on the wine, serves the wine for you throughout. You know, if it's a 20 year old bottle of wine, they take care of it for you. If it's a more recent vintage, you know, two or three years old, 
then, you know, they, they present it to you, they pour it for you, and then you continue on your own or the waiter or waitress pours uh, the glass for you from that moment. So that's the sommelier in its proper environment. But sommeliers are actually much more than that. They are writers. They write books. Jansen Robinson is the most, one of the more famous ones, you know, she came from W set. There's definitely uh, many schools around the world, like I, like I mentioned, and they all basically have the same backbone of teaching you how to uh, be that person that serves wine correctly, how to match your wine with food, how to pair it with food. And essentially, when I was thinking ahead, I was thinking, okay, I could go back to the US. And one of the things that they do is help people import and export wine, or they help vineyards decide what varieties to blend in a bottle, what percentages to blend. There's many different things in the wine world that a sommelier could do depending on uh, what they want to focus on. So I thought if I ever did move back, maybe, because um, I could never work in a restaurant, you know, it, mm-hmm. it is very hard work. It is very tiring work. And, you know, I respect and I appreciate what people do in the restaurant, but I could never do that. I love being social. I love being outdoors. I love interacting. And more than anything, I love teaching. Hmm. So a little secret, when I was 16, I wanted to be a teacher in high school, like a high school teacher. So when I got to Rome, became a tour guide. That was the perfect job because I didn't have to grade papers. (laughs) You know, and and I got more interaction with a variety of people from around the world and with the wine tours that continued. And and I got I I was able to show people my passion for my love for Italy and its wine and its culture. So for me, that was my dream job. It really was moving back to the U.S. You know, I did look for jobs as a wine importer or exporter. I did look for work in, in vineyards, but. When I moved back, I was over 40, and there is, unfortunately, discrimination towards people of a certain age, especially, I almost hate saying it because it's not 100% true, but, um, you know, some people have actually confirmed it to me. They'd rather mold a 20-something-year-old, they'd rather mold them to express what they want to express about their wine, rather than someone who's already learned uh, about wine in general. Hmm. Um, so I had no luck finding uh, a job. I did get a couple of bites, but it just didn't work out. Okay. So, so that's when I, you know, and, and, and when I moved back from Rome, I did have in mind, I could do wine tours, but I honestly thought I'm from San Diego. What kind of wine is there in San Diego? If I'm going to do wine tours, I need to go to central coast. I need to go somewhere else. But at that moment, we didn't have the money to live in those places and try and figure it out. You know, my family's in San Diego. So essentially, that's where we went to, because for the, for the first couple of years where we would need help, we could get it. And I discovered San Diego has wine. When you think of American wine, you think of Central Coast, you think of, you know, Washington, Oregon, you think of Napa, you think of Sonoma. And then in Southern California, when people say, you want to go wine tasting, oh, you want to go to Temecula. And I'll tell you, um, not just in my professional opinion, but also personally, Temecula wine is not, maybe I shouldn't say it, but it's not my fave. And when people do wine tours up there, it's mostly people who are barely 21 who want to get, um, well, they just want to enjoy the fact that they're 21. And... When I did wine tours in Italy, 
not only was it fun and enjoyable through the experiences, it was educational because I gave people the building blocks to appreciate wine, whether they were longtime drinkers or not. I, I showed them how to taste wine almost on a professional level. I taught them how to, at least the basics on how to pair wine with food based on the food we were eating and the wines we were drinking. And I want to continue that here. I want to be that person that helps put San Diego on the map, teach people these basic building blocks again, because the one thing I know that I give them when I do those kinds of tours, I give them the basic building blocks on deciphering the quality of a wine, whether they're tasting it with me, whether they're going to Napa on their own, or if they go to France, or if they go to Italy wine tasting, they have building blocks to help them understand the quality of a wine. And let me stress that, the quality of the wine. I do teach them their palate, but I'm not, basically, I'm not giving them wines that they will always like. Wine is personal. And if you don't like a certain style, it doesn't mean that it's not good quality. So to understand the quality of a wine of a different style that you personally don't like is important as well. Now, you left Italy a while ago. Now it has been, yeah. My question is, why did you leave Italy? <laughs> uh, it's not because I wanted to. So I had a visa to live there. I applied for, um, you know, a, a visa also means a permesso di soggiorno. So, you know, kind of like a green card for us Americans. Uh, what I was looking for was residency. Hmm. And I applied for residency. And they actually had me in limbo for five years waiting for this answer. And long story short, I was denied residency. And... Um, they gave me 60 days to leave the country. So I had to. Um, I guess I just didn't tick all the boxes or I didn't cross all my, my T's when in my, my application. Whatever the, the reason is, I just I couldn't get my, my permanent residence card. And if I were to continue to live there with a visa, um, I would have to either find a contract of work and working for myself, that was going to be hard to do. Or go to school. But at that point, you know, which I could have done. I even went, already went to chef school at this point, you know, to have a student visa there in Italy. Did you know that? Did you know no. I'm a chef? Yeah. No, I didn't yeah. know that. I have a chef certificate as well. But how long do I have to keep continuing to go to school? How long do I have to divide my time between what I really want to do and something because I have to? Hmm. And um, I figured... If there is a way for me to be in Italy, it will come up sometime in the future, but mm. maybe it's just not in my cards right now. So in a way, I let that path decide for me, you know, that, that moment. Some people even said, stay, you know, overstay your visa, just continue. Mm. But that became a lot riskier because if I did get caught working there, you know, in overextending my stay, I actually could get um, not just, you know, deported, but banned from entering the EU for three to five years, depending. I hope that you'll be able to, uh, to live there permanently in the future. Yes. And it, yeah. 
really hope so because you love Italy so much and you speak beautifully Italian I know <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah and you love the wine you have I mean you are Italian I must say more than <laughs> many other foreigners I've met so where are you at now in the process of making your business work in the United States at first I actually in in to help you understand a little perspective. Um, when I first came back, I didn't know there was wine in San Diego. Uh, I basically was working to be able to figure out what the next move was. Uber driver, by the way, uh, that gave me the flexibility to do things and discover things that could help me down my path. Okay. And because of driving for Uber, I was taking uh, two gentlemen who brought wine with them, bottles of wine to, I was going, I was taking them to a fine uh, dining establishment. And they were talking about wine tastings they had and how each person brought their own bottle and la la and, you know, talking about which ones they liked. And uh, they were excited about the wines that, that they were bringing to the restaurant to try together. And then they mentioned something about an Italian wine. And, you know, I interjected about that and they're like, oh, you know, looking at me kind of suspicious. What does my Uber driver know about wine? And, you know, I basically gave them a little not background on me, but, you know, I gave them a small talk on the wine they spoke of at this moment, I forget. And they're like, oh, so you do know about wine. And I told them, well, actually, I used to do wine tours in Italy. And I've been thinking about doing that here somewhere. Right now I'm focusing, and this is something you don't know. Right now I'm focusing on taking people into Mexico for wine tasting because I believe the wine in Mexico is better than Temecula. And they're like, oh, well, actually you're right. But did you know that we have wine here in San Diego? I'm like, no. And the gentleman The main one that was um, the one actually uh, in charge of the Uber, he says, I actually own a winery here in Escondido. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I actually own a wine, the winery that's known to be the first winery established in, in, in San Diego County in the 1800s. And he, he went on to explain to me, San Diego County actually used to be known as wine country. Escondido, the area near where I live, they used to have vineyards upon vineyards. And it was Italians who came here. It was Italians and Hungarians who came here and started growing wine in the 1800s. And because of prohibition, they basically had to take all the vines away. And at that point, they started planting citrus and avocado groves. And that's when San Diego became known for their oranges, their citrus, and their avocados. But because of the droughts of the early 2000s, And then the fires that happened around, I think it was 2007 or eight, all the people that lost all their citrus and avocado groves decided what is better during a drought? Definitely not avocados and definitely not citrus. Why don't we go back to what we used to do? Why don't we replant vines? And that's when San Diego County, especially in the Escondido area, started growing wine again. Outside of the immediate area of San Diego, there's an area called Ramona. Ramona has been making wine at least from the 70s and 80s as well. But because of Escondido growing, Ramona is now growing as well. And in San Diego County, we have over 150 vineyards. Wow. How do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> so San Diego has a lot of great wine. And they're doing something that I'm extremely passionate about passionate about. And I discovered this passion in Italy. When I first went to Italy in 2000, I was barely 25 years old and I already knew I loved Pinot Noir. 
But you have to imagine here, especially at 22, 23, 24, what I can drink is limited. When I first moved to Italy and I went to the supermarket for like three, four euros, I was finding amazing wines of names of grapes I've never heard of, varieties I never heard of. I go into a supermarket and there's a Cesanese. I'm like, what is that? I, I had it. I loved it. Then I went back to the supermarket and there was Teroldigo. What's Teroldigo? I need to have it. I drank it. And then there's Passerina. And then there's this, there's that. And every single wine I had from varieties I never heard of, I loved and come to find out these were all indigenous varieties of Italy. So my passion became, and this also was evident in my wine tours, to show people not Merlot and Cabernet or even so much Sangiovese in Italy, but take them to the place where that indigenous variety exists that they've never heard of into that town. Also, they never would have seen otherwise. And here in, 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 in San Diego County, they actually have Falangina. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Movrede. They have varieties that aren't so well-known in the wine world that aren't necessarily grown in other places. And that, for me, that was a sign. This is what I've been looking for. What better thing than to show people other varieties that they wouldn't normally taste in Napa or Sonoma? or Central Coast. You can design really original tours now, or have yes. you already? I am working on designing. So I was supposed to launch my wine tours, um, and I cannot use vinicultural tours anymore, even though that's my baby, because I actually, um, for lack of better terminology, sold it to someone who basically um, was managing it when I left. So I, I basically gave it to her. You know, also vinicultural tours, doesn't really fit with the idea here of San Diego. There is more to offer, but when people think of San Diego, they come to San Diego because of its beauty, because it's always sunny, because it's always beautiful. The ocean is here. The food back then, you know, when I went to Italy was horrible. Now there's actually a vibrant food scene. And, you know, besides SeaWorld, we have Balboa Park and the, and the San Diego Zoo, which is, you know, very famous. So here, tourism is natural. Tourism is part of its livelihood, like Italy. And people come back to San Diego over and over again, even just for the weekend, especially people from America. You know, just like with Italy, people go back over and over again, and they're always looking for something new to do. San Diego, for the longest time, was the craft beer capital of the world. As a result, craft beer tours were left and right. You could find a craft beer tour easily here. So always wanting to do things a little bit different. Here I am with my wine tours. There's already one or two companies, but they're doing them just like the craft beer tours. They're putting you on a bus, they're taking you to a place, they're moving you on to the next one. And I hate that kind of tourism. I don't, I don't like it because it's not personal. It's not fun. I decided, because I'm also going to include craft beer tours, I decided to call it hop and vine tours hop because there's hops and beers hop as in jump apostrophe n tours in vine tours. So I take you into the vineyard. I've already established relationships with some wineries here where I get to take you into the actual vineyard and show you the composition of a vine of the grape of the leaf, what it means for the wine. 
and show them the process and of course taste wine. Thank you so much. Thank I, you. And I really uh, fingers crossed for you and I appreciate I wish it. you all the best and um, I'm sure that we'll hear from each other soon with uh, great news. Thank you thousand. Oh, oh grazie mille. <laughs> John has a clear vision. The path hasn't been exactly straight for him, but he's certain that it will work out. And John, you certainly succeeded in conveying that certainty to every single one of us, didn't you? He isn't afraid of failing, nor of trying again to reshape his future. He knows his love of wine will sooner or later bring him success. Thank you for sharing your story, John.